Hello, and welcome to another episode of Clientship's Customer Experience Superheroes podcast series. My name is Christopher Brooks, and I'll be your host for this podcast series, in which we explore the talents and the superpowers that are needed to be a leader of customer experience in the modern world. In this episode, which is the first in the sixth series of the Superheroes podcast series, we meet up with Jeannie Waters, a true inspirational legend in the world of customer experience. Jeannie's work with countless number of organisations has helped them progress their customer experience strategies. And Jeannie now shares much of what she knows with the CX community on platforms such as Ask Me Anything. We caught up with Jeannie to find out just how important it is to share information with others and asked her some of the tough questions about progressing customer experience transformations. So it's an absolute delight uh, today to be catching up with someone who um, during lockdown has become a bit of a Friday night regular for me. I'll explain myself with that. Um, but we have Jeannie Waters here. So hello, Jeannie. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing, Christopher? <laughs> I'm, I'm good, thank you. I'm, I'm really pleased that we're having this conversation. I've been looking forward to this one. There's a lot I need to ask you, so uh, <laughs> make sure you've got your coffee going and make sure you're actually... <laughs> I've got it right day. here. <laughs> but, so, so, Jean, I, I say, uh, I don't say that flippantly, you know, Friday afternoons have become quite a, a, a pinnacle in my week because you've been running your Ask Me Anything um, live uh, LinkedIn sessions. Uh, it looks extremely professional, so congratulations on, on, a, on a great looking broadcast oh, but, but, actu- but actually it really is and I ask me anything and I know that because I've tested you a few times and you've caught that <laughs> ball and you've thrown it back to me so well done you <laughs> obviously a lot of our listeners will be aware of who you are but uh, I'm, I'm glad to say I've got quite a global following so there may be some people out there who, who aren't as familiar with you so before we kick off would you mind introducing who you are and where you fit into the world of customer experience Sure, I'd love to. Well, thank you for having me and thank you to all your listeners for being here with us today. And I'm Jeannie Walters. I've been in the customer experience space for about 20 years. I've been a consultant for Fortune 500 and small business and education and all sorts of different organizations. And so now our firm, Experience Investigators, we, we do a couple things. We do consulting, we do coaching for customer experience leaders, and we do a lot of thought leadership. So a lot of webinars, you know, I'm a keynote speaker, I write a lot, so things like that for both ourselves and with clients. So it keeps me very busy uh, here in Chicago in the States, but I've been really grateful to build this community. I mean, I love the CX community. There's nobody quite like a customer experience professional in my mind. That's great. And, and you know, it's testament. Some of the people you get on the, um, the LinkedIn live uh, are really great characters and, and so informed. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's just great to see kind of that level of maturity that's out there in CX. Yeah. I, I have to confess, it, I, when I was looking back at some of uh, your highlights, I came across something that you did a few years ago that inspired me to create something called Vexbox and, and Fonfox. And, and this was a TED talk on really looking at, I think you call them micro interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think it was necessarily phrased as customer experience at the time, but boy, was it. And, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it, it led me to go, oh, my God, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, looking at the small, sweating the small detail is so important. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, was that something that you'd arrived at or was it just a fortunate off the cuff piece that you put together? I mean, where did that mm-hmm. come from? Yeah, it's something I've been passionate about for a long time. And now I call them micro moments because I think okay. we we really do look at 
the big moments in customer experience a lot. We talk about wow moments. We talk about these ways to really, you know, generate a lot of buzz and things like that. At the end of the day, I really believe every single small moment can either build or erode trust. The micro moments are usually neglected. We don't think that they matter. And they really do. I mean, in any relationship, not just customer experience, but in any relationship, it takes at least 12 positive moments to overcome one negative one. Those numbers are changing with the generations. They're actually demanding more. And so if we don't pay attention, then we're missing all that opportunity to build a relationship through putting in a little extra effort for those positive micro moments and then keeping our radar up to make sure we're not neglecting those moments that aren't so great just because that's the way it's always been done or that's the way it's done in the industry or all these different excuses, if we pay attention, we can make such a difference with these really small mm. moments. So I've been, you know, that TEDx talk was 2012. Mm. And Still I've been, so relevant. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, feel like, I feel like we're always going to have this conversation because there, there are always moments that we overlook. And so why not spend a little extra energy and effort and make somebody's day a little brighter. Some of the examples you use on there, there's a really good point you make, which is actually it's the programmers and the coders who are putting the commentary together that sits behind some of these. It gets presented to the customer, mm-hmm. which, which leads me into sort of a, a really big topic I want to talk to you about. And this is about mindset. Okay, so mm-hmm. I've, I've been looking at this recently in terms of skill set, mindset, environment. And I, I guess unless you've got to the point where you've got the right mind, I mean, there's no reason why the programmer can't have the right mindset, is there? They, they right. can have the right mindset. So, so if we kind of take a few steps back on this, how do you take an organization or an individual from not thinking about the customer? So they're writing I mean, some of the code you highlighted, it was, it was, it was funny, but fast one. If I was those companies, I'd be just mortified. You know, I mean, you're, you're very kind. You didn't actually reveal who any of them were. Mm-hmm. But how do you take that coder from, from not thinking about it to, at all to the point where I think you used a, 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 a bear or a Yeti or something just to show how you could bring some humor yeah. to, to how you present the same information. What's yeah. What journey you go on? Well, I think I, I think about it as customer experience as a mindset, a strategy, and a discipline. And if you have to start with that mindset, and the mindset has to be based in who you are as an organization, who is your conscience? You know, I talk about four C's of culture, of customer experience culture, and the first one is conscience, because you need this collective idea of who are we, who, who is our best self as an organization, and what's, who are we for our customers? How do we show up for our customers? And you have to talk about it a lot. You have to make sure that people understand that it's about this, you know, I call it a customer experience mission. We need to understand what is it we're really trying to do for customers. Because a lot of corporations have a vision statement, a value statement, and a mission statement, but they don't necessarily talk about the customers. They don't necessarily even talk about how to deliver for customers. They talk about shareholder value. They talk about being the best, but that's not defined. And so we need to empower our people throughout an organization to have the mindset that, you know what, this is up to me. I am part of this. And so that's where you kind of see the magic happen when you can connect the mindset, the strategy, and then the daily discipline, the business discipline of getting these things done in a way that honors that mindset that shows up as you know the right the right thing for the right customer. So I think there's always work to be done on this, but I get I get really excited when 
you know, I work with organizations and I'll do a workshop or something and somebody comes up to me, this just happened to me a few months ago where somebody came up to me and said, you know, I'm an engineer. I've never thought about interacting with customers because my products interact with customers. But I never thought when we talked about customer experience or customer service, that had nothing to do with me. And then he was like, but now I'm realizing it has everything to do with me. I was like, yay, (laughs) because that's what we all want to hear, right? But I think that that's what we're aiming for is for every single person in in an organization to say, you know what, the way we show up for customers has everything to do with me, no matter my role. I find um, you mentioned kind of an engineer. I know that when, when I've run similar workshops, they're like closet innovators sometimes. You know, the mm-hmm. people who sit in legal compliance, they never get the chance to play with customers. And yeah. it's almost like giving um, a songwriter a Bond film is kind of it. That, that's their palette. They know what they've got to do now. They're like, oh my God. And I just find they come out with some great ideas. Have you found Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the other neglected group, I think, is HR and training sure. and learning. They often are not asked for how should we reflect our customer experience in a job posting, in how we hire people, in how we train them. And so they, I think, are also just not ask these questions. And if you ask the right questions, they have some wonderful ideas about how to build teams, how to get that mindset out to the organization, all those different things. So I agree. There are, there are innovators in your midst right now who are just waiting for you to ask questions. As soon as you said that, it reminded me, and I had it for ages, actually, on my, my pin board of fame. It was a job advert for one of the Virgin companies, and it was Customer Insight Czar was the job title. <laughs> yeah. And, and you could see, to your point there, clearly someone like yourself had connected with a group of people who went, hey, Char, you've got permission to do this. You know, yes. Have a, have a go yes. and have some fun here. But the, the first thing you said about the strategy there around the business goals, I mean, how, how do you get past that? So if the mindset is, yes, we, we need to be, and let's say, your engineer and your program coder and your HR get it, but you look at the business goals and you go, yeah, hang on, we're tied to something here about you know shareholder value, about growth and efficiency and customer and employees seem to be just unnecessary uh, kind of distractions. Mm-hmm. How do you break that down first of mm-hmm. all, or, or do you simply just you know kind of pick your pick your bags up, turn around, walk out, and go? I think we won't. <laughs> There's no work to be done here. <laughs> this is too challenging. Well, I we do have a saying around here that we only work with enlightened leaders. <laughs> oh, I like that <laughs> because uh, you need the leadership to really be on board. But I like to think about it. You know, you need that customer experience mission, and that means that you need to translate the vision and values and all that stuff that you already probably have for your company. Translate that into how are we delivering for our customers? What what are the expectations throughout the products that we sell, throughout the journeys that we have? You have to kind of keep it a little high level. So you have to start there. But then we also use something called the customer experience success statement. And while the mission, you want that to last a long time, the success statement might be something that you rewrite every year. Mm -hmm. Because what you're doing is you're tying the organizational goals to your customer experience goals, and then helping people understand how they help contribute to those. Once you get kind of that together, then you've got that orchestra happening Mm -hmm. and people start kind of getting more on board. But it takes a while. Like we, when you think about how business people are trained, we are not really trained for this. We, you know, you look at traditional business plans, they stop after sales. They literally stop and they are all about acquisition and marketing. And mm-hmm. so if we are not working on this muscle, it's easy to forget about, yeah. frankly. 
And I think that's something that we we don't talk about enough. I'm I'm seeing some great strides in business education. There are some college programs and universities and things like that that are really starting to pay attention to this, mm. but we have a long way to go. Mm. Academia is an area that it is a, a bit of a gulf when it comes to customer experience, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and there's old models. I mean, I still find it, you know, organizations, if they're working on quarterly sales cycles, there seems to be some weeks in the quarter that they're more yeah. actively engaged in what we're doing and others that they're less so. And it, That's right. it seems as if kind of dropping those habits is, is really quite difficult. Um, so, so let's let's just take, I mean, I like the enlightened leaders. And I think that's a, a very, very smart way of kind of, <laughs> kind of putting it. I listened to someone on the radio this morning who was talking about customers are lying because they've had their refunds if they've not had their refunds they're definitely lying and you know these people who are yeah he wasn't an insight an enlightened leader it's a, an airline boss and you really kind of realize actually there is a, a point over which perhaps it's never gonna you're never gonna kind of get through but with that can, can you do it if you don't understand who your customers are first or is that one of the first questions you sort of need to ask and understand who are our customers it's a great it question seems obvious, doesn't it it but, does you know. seem obvious i know all these things sometimes i come in and say you know tell me who your customers are and i'll go from person to person to person and they all have a different description of who they are or they get caught up thinking about their favorite customer and they think right. oh that's all of our customers and when i i have a keynote speech where i say is this your customer And it's this woman with all her devices, like hugging them because we tell ourselves stories about who our customers are. I have yet to go to anywhere that doesn't tell me, you don't understand, Jeannie, our customers love us. They love (laughs) us because there's always a group that does. Mm. And it's easy to kind of swim in that lake and think this is who all of our customers are. And then I flip the side and I have an old guy with a beard and he's got a shirt on that says grumpy the dwarf from uh, the seven dwarves. And I'm like, this guy's your customer. And what I recommend is that we think about our worst customer on their worst day, because if we can do their journey better, then we've just, we've just improved it for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think we tell ourselves stories about who our customers are. So your question is really, really valid. We have to really understand who our customers are and not just who we thought they were two years ago, we have to keep up with the world because mm-hmm. their expectations change based on the marketplace changing. Mm-hmm. They have dabbled with your competitors. They know what they're offering. So if you are falling behind, they're aware of that. They are living through 2020 just like the rest of us. So how is their experience differing? So we really have to not just understand who we think they are in kind of general terms. We have to understand the context of their world and how we fit into that. It's Mm -hmm. not the other way around. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times in sales, we talk about how the buyer fits into our products. And I disagree with that. I think, you know, everybody has full lives. Nobody's sitting around waiting for your product. They're not really excited about the customer service journey with your organization. (laughs) They're doing something to try to achieve a goal or feel a certain way or just achieve something. And so if we can't get into their worlds and mindsets and really understand what they're dealing with, then we're always going to be looking from the inside out and not really understanding how they interact with our organization from their perspective. I want to touch on that expression customer as well, because I'm glad you've mentioned it. What I've seen is, is something quite, it's almost like a crossroads. If, if people talk about um, put the customer at the heart of the business, 
whilst it might seem quite obvious, I feel most people are actually thinking about the customer's transaction. So how can we mm-hmm. make it easier, make it more efficient? How can I how can I empower my workforce to feel committed to getting more of the customer's transactions? But the word you used was customer's world. How do we fit into the customer's world? So mm-hmm. I'm a very big fan of kind of you know customer purpose and, and customer experience making society a better place. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that's where you're going towards, isn't it? Is the customer has a job they want to do or a positive or something they're trying to achieve. Yep. How do we fit in to help them achieve that thing that they want to do? Not because they want to engage with our service that we deliver or, or even our product not necessarily because right. they're interested. It's I need to water the garden. So therefore I need to buy a, a hose to, yep. to do it. I want my garden to look great. So when my family sit out there in the summer, they can be proud of the garden they're in. I don't mm-hmm. really care about your hose too much, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and is, is that the difference you mean there about fitting into the customer's world? Understanding our customers is not just they're an individual who has X amount of money to spend right. and they have these choices. It's, really understanding how important is family to that individual. I think I think that's a great example. I also think that we tend to highlight in the in when we're looking from the inside of our organization out and we're talking about the customer's journey, a lot of times we are talking about those specific interactions that they have with us, but not thinking about how does that work from their end. I mean I talk about my own life a lot because Technically, I fit into all these weird demographics, right? I've got two kids. I'm a soccer mom. You know, one of them plays competitive soccer. You know, I own my own business. I'm married to somebody else who works. So we're this dual income family and all these things. And yet I feel like when I look at customer personas, I always think that's not, that's crazy. That's not me. (laughs) Because I'm not sitting there invested in going through an online purchase um, and that's all I'm doing in that moment because I want to be doing that. I'm doing mm-hmm. that because, oh my gosh, winter's coming. We need a coat. Mm-hmm. Our kid grew, you know, three inches. How do I know that this is right? How can I fit this in while I'm doing 18 other things? And I think that that's the part that we often neglect. We think that it's this pure moment of interaction and it's really not. Like people mm-hmm. are just living their lives and mm-hmm. we have to respect that. And I also think that sometimes we get really caught up you know, a lot of my clients will say to me, we've got award-winning customer service. And I'll go look and they have all these people who are saying, why don't these things work? And then they give them the five stars on the end of that because the customer service agent did a great job and they got what they needed. But why were they going to customer service in the Mm -hmm. first place? Because Mm -hmm. something in the experience is not working the way it should. You know, the mission of my company is to create fewer ruined days for customers. And the reason we landed on that, that. (laughs) well, and the reason we landed on that is because when you think about these things that kind of chip away at your day, Mm. that ruins somebody's day. Mm. And I think that we in the customer experience profession have this amazing opportunity to help organizations invest in this in a way that helps people just have better days. And then that does make a better world. And I can get a little lofty about this, but I really believe it because if I go in and I have to wait in line and I've got, you know, errands to run or I have my phone ringing or whatever, that's a really different experience than if I go in and they look me in the eye and they say, Jeannie, here's your coffee, right? Like Mm -hmm. totally different experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Super small if you look at a customer journey. Like you might just say waits in line as that's the experience. But what is that actually doing? It's creating frustration and anxiety and all these things. And so what if we could start chipping away at those negative emotions? I'm super passionate about it, but Mm -hmm. I think that we have this amazing opportunity 
to literally make the world a better place. Wonderful. I mean, I think it's the realism of, of the role customer experience needs to, it needs to, we always talk about it in terms of it needs to find its place at the table. You know, business has mm-hmm. been cracking on without it for a while. It's been happening, but it's been happening kind of in the, in the shadows rather than sort of being done on, on purpose. And, and if it's going to, as it has become, it needs to be part of the decision making for a customer. Then the other, you know, the pricing and the product is almost looking at it first of all and saying, don't let us down. You're mm-hmm. at the table now, you're at the top table, do not let us down. Yep. And, and sadly, customer experience gets there and it goes, jazz hands, look at me. You know, <laughs> everyone, stop looking at price. And, and it just destroys, you know, everything, doesn't it? And all that hard work that's done. Mm-hmm. So I think that premise of saying to reduce the number of ruined days allows customer experience to come in and earn its spurs to demonstrate the value it can offer, which is you yeah. guys don't, you know, you guys can actually relax a little bit or you can go the extra mile now because you're not going to be let down now. It's worth yeah. worry about it. And then it can kind of go forward. Getting the mindset to change is one thing, but stopping that mindset from going, is this going to work? Now I'm right. going to have to wait. So, you know, what, what, what's the, what's the, the help, the support there you provide mm-hmm. to organizations to keep the endurance and the sustainability into a CX transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you use the word endurance because it does take that, doesn't it? Um, these things don't happen overnight. They take some serious time and energy and resources. And this is where I think it's really important to talk about CX as a strategy and a business discipline because mm-hmm. when you go into any organization, I can't imagine a world where after, let's say, a six-month period of time, they look at the sales numbers and they say, oh, sales went down. You know what? Sales don't work. We're going to get rid of our sales team, (laughs) right? That would never happen. And yet that happens to customer experience all Mm, the time. And I think that we have to start defining success better for Mm -hmm. ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to take some baby steps, start simply. But also, let's not overcomplicate it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think there are so many organizations that, you know, they've got binders full of models and different things, and yet customers still aren't happy. Mm-hmm. Then something's not working. Sure. We, we have to get back to those basics. So, you know, defining success, that's what really drove us to create the customer experience success statement. Mm-hmm. We have a workbook. It's available because the whole idea of, these organizations that say, okay, we're going to go through this transformation and our goal is better customer experience. Well, what does that mean? And how do we know if we're successful? And so, you know, I also see a lot of job postings and they send me, you know, the job posting and they say, do you know anybody? And I said, well, I don't know if you know this, but you're looking for a team (laughs) and not a person (laughs) because they expect so much from one person because Mm. they don't really understand what are the goals, what is success, and what is it going to take to get there? And so I think we have to change the whole conversation about this. I think we really have to talk about, you know what, what are we trying to do ultimately, loftily? You know, that's where that mission comes in. But then let's talk about what that means in the short term and the long term, in real business terms. Does that mean better outcomes for both our customers and our brand? Absolutely. But we need to define what those are and how we will measure against that. Because I go in and see these dashboards and a lot of them say, look, look, we've got NPS on our dashboard. And I'll say, okay, what, is it, what does that mean here? Mm-hmm. If I went up to, you know, somebody in engineering and said, hey, NPS went down. 
will that mean anything to them? And how is that tied to the business outcomes? And how do you reward and recognize the people in your organization who are doing this hard work, who are delivering on it? And how can you hold them up as examples and best practices? And there's so much to do around it. But I think we sometimes get a little paralyzed where we think, oh, there's too much to do. And we don't really know what step to take because we don't know what success is. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you, you used the expression story earlier. I very much like that because at the outset, I think it's, it's, it's the death of a, of a transformation. If at the start you say, right, we're going to improve net promoter score or effort or some other perceptual measure. Mm-hmm. How do you know that's the right? How, who, who does that matter to at that particular, to your point, to the engineers, to the customers, to the business? I mean, arguably, you know, the, the bigger you get, the harder it is to hit customer satisfaction. So mm-hmm. do you want to be chasing that? Whereas if you can define it around better outcomes, I love the idea of the customer success statement because it's a story, isn't it? It's something that I yep. can emotionally connect with. And I'm sure you have in there enough kind of accountability to realize it's, it's kind of goal orientated. But you, you did say earlier, you can change that. You know, you can mm-hmm. kind of it can become milestones to sort of show as we evolve and we mature in our understanding of how this is going to give us competitive advantage, so can the statement, which feels yeah. much more accessible to so many people. I can see it on a timeline, just kind of showing how we're mm-hmm. maturing and going through. Rather than we were 78 here, we've got to get to 79 and 81 right. here, and they're just, yep. you know, what does that mean? So, uh, and you've obviously found that to be something that not only the ground team, but the CEOs understand and work with, they're comfortable yep. with that. Yeah. I mean, we use it to tie together the, the big organizational goals that everybody knows about, that everybody's on board with. And then we actually recommend that you go down to that first leadership level, whatever that is. Sometimes it's the C-suite, sometimes it's the next level. You have to kind of convince every single leader why this matters to them. And the way to do that is to understand their personal goals. Mm -hmm. So if I'm the the chief marketing officer, I have very different goals about business outcomes and what I'm focused on than the chief financial officer. And so we have to really speak their language. We have to say, if this happens, then this is what it means for you, CMO. If this happens, this is what it means for you, CFO. And then you have to figure out like, what is that cadence of communication and how do you provide those updates in a meaningful way and how do you make sure that they're not just hearing about numbers because data gets you so far but the customer stories those you know the voice of the customer the real voice Mm -hmm. of the customer how can you share that so that people can tuck this inside their heart I mean we're asking people to internalize this and that's a long battle but it's worth it because once you Mm -hmm. get those people on board then you can't I mean it's just like any other part of the organization. If you said to me, oh, we we have a marketing plan from 2009 that we're still using. (laughs) I mean, everybody would laugh at that, but we do that. So that's the idea of this. This is a business document that you can use to set real goals, to adapt, to see how you're doing, and to really ultimately measure your success. Is, is this part of the year of CX that you've set up? So this this is one of the great templates that you're making available to, to everyone mm-hmm. if they so choose. Am I right? That's right. That's right. Tell, tell us, thank you I'm, for bringing that up. That's all right. Cause I'm a big fan. I mean, you're right. I mean, the world of customer experience is a great place. And what you do find in, in this business is people are very happy to give uh, and, and support each other and want to raise the standards. And this is one of those fabulous initiatives that's, you know, documenting your, your experience, things that have worked. So, so tell us more about this, please. Sure. Yeah. So we announced this on, 
uh, CX Day this year mm -hmm. in October. And so for a year, we committed that every other week, we will be providing a free tool, uh, something that you can download and use tomorrow. And it's everything from that CX success statement workbook, which, you know, I kind of laugh because I've used that in coaching a lot. And I always say like, no, it's real homework. <laughs> it's not something to like scratch on a napkin. It's, it takes some real homework, but you get some great outcomes from that. And then we have a customer experience mission template and we have different tools like that. And we'll be rolling those out throughout the year because we just, especially this year, you know, I think we are all super committed to serving our customers who might be going through a lot right now. There are yeah. people who are suffering in the world and we're, you know, trying to have as much empathy and compassion for everybody. And we felt mm -hmm. like this was one of the things we could do to provide resources for customer experience professionals and even those who don't have that in their title, right? Like sure. there are plenty of change agents out there. Yeah. And so this gives them a jumping off point to learn and to really apply things in the real world to their organizations and their goals. And, and what's the feedback been so far? Have you had people come back and, you know, say, wow, this, this is yeah. great, you know, education here? Yeah, we've we've been really fortunate. And uh, and by the way, anybody can sign up at yearofcx.com. It's super okay. easy. We'll put that in the uh, the description underneath if that's okay. For that would be great. Yeah. yeah, great. Thank yeah, you. yeah. But yeah, people have, have really responded to this in a powerful way. And I think we're just trying to, you know, I blogged for a long, long time. But mm -hmm. this last year, we've really tried to provide more accessible ways to get this information. And yeah. so we're you know, every blog I do now, I provide an audio recording and it's such a simple thing, but we hear great feedback about that even like, mm -hmm. thank you for doing this. So um, it's, I think people are, are eager to learn and mm -hmm. that's really exciting to me because customer experience has come a long way mm -hmm. and people want to know more. They want to know how they can provide better experiences for their customers. So we're just trying to kind of do our part and provide these resources for those who are working so hard at right. this. Great. Well, I think it kind of all aligns with what I've come to know you as being. You know, all these things are, well, of course, you would do that because it's the sort <laughs> of individual you are. And I think you've, you've got a, a direction of travel and you're helping everyone to, to get there. And not everyone does that. So, you know, we're very, very grateful to you for doing that. Oh, thank you. Um, thank now, you. you. And you've also got uh, a, a, another way for people to interact. And this is the LinkedIn courses. So tell right. us more about these, because it's just another demonstration of the wealth of experience that you're bringing and, and sharing with others. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. LinkedIn Learning has this incredible library of video courses of all sorts of topics, which are, I encourage you to just check it out because it's amazing how many they produce. And uh, I've been lucky enough to have four courses with them about customer experience. So there's kind of this setting the table one, which is positive customer experience, and then customer journey mapping introduction. And then I have a case study and action journey mapping course as well. That's a follow up to that. And then one on customer service blueprinting. And it's been really, that's been another kind of amazing little journey for myself. I mean, I hear almost every day from somebody around the world who takes one of those courses. They're all very accessible. They're an hour under. And it, it's a way to um, give people real skills and also show them in, in real life. Like, here's how you do a journey map, right? Like, this is how we actually do it so that they can then turn around and, and do that for their organizations. And uh, we can offer you a, a link for 30 days free. So everybody can check that out and, you know, explore nice. and see what they learn. 
Wonderful. And that's, is that just for your content or do they get access to the whole LinkedIn library for that 30 days? They, the whole shebang for 30 wow. days. Yeah. Wow. Goodness me. Well, that, that, that's great. And um, yeah, as someone who's run courses on journey mapping, I, I know that when you do give that content to people, they can run with it. They don't need yep. to pay for the infrastructure to support so they can just get on and do it. And that's the best way to learn, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I want to bring you back to the micro moments because one thing I'm very conscious of at the moment and, and I don't think companies are, and I want to get your opinion on this, is the way in which they're managing their customers uh, through social distancing feels as if, you know, using yellow and black tape, using words like stop, not this way, don't go here, feels as if they're not quite aware of what that's doing in terms of a medium to long-term impact to their customers. Mm-hmm. I mean, am I over being oversensitive here or do you have the same concerns that it's going to do long-term damage and they're just not aware of it? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know if I, I don't know about the long-term damage. I'll be really honest. I'm okay. not sure because I think everybody is perceiving things a little differently in this moment in time. However, I do think that thinking through the language is really important. And one of the examples that I have used as micro moments is there was a restaurant here in Chicago and you had to go down the stairs and through this long hallway to get to the restroom. And I went down the stairs and the first door had a big sign on it that said, not here. And it had an arrow. <laughs> and then the next one said, not quite, keep going, arrow. And then the, and I thought, how clever is that instead of employees only <laughs> keep out, you know? Um, and I think that would be something that if there was more thought to it, yeah. there could be some really great interactions. And I just picked up a pie from a local place here over the weekend and they had a big sign up and it said, we so appreciate you wearing masks. And then it said, you know, a little asterisk and it said it's required. And then they asked you to ring the bell and wait there. So I did. And when she came out, she was so appreciative that I had thought of their little place that she said that a few times. Mm -hmm. And I came home and I said to my husband, we have to remember this more. We have to remember to remember more of our local places, which we're all trying to do, I think. But I thought that language was really clever because the big part was how much they appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And then there was this little tiny thing of like, we, we can't let you in without one, right? Yeah, like yeah. those are the rules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that there are ways to do it. But I also think that who knows what everybody's mindset will mm-hmm. be when we're kind of through this and people might be so happy not to be dealing with it that they'll forget about some of those signs too. I'm- I can actually start to see pictures of organizations on the high street by the way in which they're presenting themselves currently to yeah. me. There are others. So um, Nando's is a big chain in the States, mm-hmm. isn't it? With yeah, Nando's. we have Nando's. And I saw, you know, they, they've taken all their perspex screens and they've made them heart-shaped and put red tape around the edges of the, the, the uh, hearts. And their, their dividers, they've actually taken sort of a Mexican um, a weave pattern and put those over the top of the dividers. So they've actually incorporated it into the brand. Mm-hmm. And I thought that doesn't take a lot of thought right. to get to that point but they could have put yellow and black tape up they could have just right. put a very ugly you know kind of screen in front between people and yep. it would have changed the atmosphere significantly and i think it's no accident that in our high street that's the restaurant that the people are queuing all the way down the high street yeah yeah i think you're right it's micro moments isn't it? it's just thinking about kind of yeah how would you like it to to feel for you yeah exactly and i think thinking through how can we put this in a in a way that's about the customer and not about the brand, yeah. right? Like I was working with a membership organization and they kept talking about the renewal invoices. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how about we call it a renewal invitation? <laughs> because that's what we're doing. We're inviting them to renew. Yeah. We're not forcing them to pay this invoice. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just that little change in yeah. how we presented that, so those clever. are the types of things that I think can make a big difference. So that's a great mm-hmm. example with Nando's. So um, talking about little changes then, so I, I'm going to ask, I'm, I'm going to invite you, see if, if you're up for it, it'll be great to have you on board. But we set up something uh, earlier this year called the Customer Experience World Games, which was uh, a bit of an idea. I didn't know if it would work, but we brought together, well, sent the invitation out to a few people, a few people like Adrian Swinsco and I don't know if you know James Dodkins, mm-hmm, um, sure. who, who put their hands up and said, we'll be captains. And the idea was basically that we'd get people from around the world in the world of customer experience who are feeling detached from everyone else to come together. And then we'd create some games for them to play customer experience games. But then it kind of took a little bit of a, a, an advancement from that. And we went out to organizations and we said, well, actually, if there are charities or community causes or small businesses that are struggling at the moment, could we bring this volunteer, this in, these people to come together and try and come up with ideas for them so we turned into a games and it became really quite positively competitive where we had kind of <laughs> six teams made up and, and it was random so if you if you kind of registered you might have joined Shane Goldberg's team in Australia mm-hmm. or, uh, who uh, Nate Brown was in his team for instance or you might have joined Carlos Espinosa's team in Mexico mm-hmm. but it didn't matter where you were in the world and it didn't matter whether you were an insight or you're in marketing or you're in customer service and people came together and then they played the game. They came up with challenges, like a bus company who the employee experience had to stop. How could they keep it going without budget? And they were just coming up with these ideas. And we mm-hmm. put them all on a shared drive. So there's sort of 40 different ideas. Everyone's ideas are available to everyone. When we did the wrap-up, it was very well received by all the players who said, it was great to work with people I never would normally get to work with. Mm-hmm. It was great to learn some new skills that I didn't know. We had some very kind of you know well-established people in there saying, let me do a coaching session on you know uh, mm-hmm. what you could do with IVR for instance and they were sharing skills like that but also this sense of making a difference and you said at the start you know the people in the CX world are very good they give and mm-hmm. they did they all gave they volunteered their time and made a real difference so much so that when we closed it they said one thing will you do it again please so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna run it again next year and oh yeah great um genius when, when we put it out there if you'd come on board and sure and yes of course in, in this it would be great so because i think you've you're exactly the spirit of the games it'd be great to have someone like you involved in it and, and i would love a to difference with customer experience so, um, i would love to yes love thank it. you that'd be great we'd love to have you back for that well look um i've had an absolute joy uh talking to you it's me been too great, uh, not just do it through a q a on on your uh, <laughs> uh ask me anything session although although you back, do I'm ask afraid. very good questions so <laughs> I, will, I will be back well you always answer them it's great so, <laughs> I'm not trying to test you it's just um some people they go back to kind of conventional but you all I mean it's not just me when people post questions you kind of go oh that makes me think mm-hmm. and you can kind of see how you're getting to the next level rather than reverting back to a standard stock and I'm very impressed with that because oh, a lot of people you. just go back to the standard stock and you kind of push it forward <laughs> which I'm sure is is a, is a is a major reason your clients like working with you as well so thank if, you if people do want to get hold of you Jeannie how can they reach mm-hmm. you experienceinvestigators.com is super easy that's where you can find all of our resources yearofcx.com and then i'm all over the place i'm on linkedin i'm on twitter um genie cw on twitter and instagram and all sorts of places so feel free to reach out i love hearing from people 
Awesome. Well, well, I think I don't think we've had it, ever had anyone on the CX Superish podcast that's given away so much. So <laughs> into, we've got links to thirty days of LinkedIn <laughs> learning, and we've we've got the year of CX and everything else. So thank you so much for that, and thank you so much for being such a positive and powerful force in the world of customer experience, a true oh. CX superhero. So thank you. Thank you. This was this was a lot of fun. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you're welcome. Take care of yourself. Take care, Take care my friend. Bye bye.